I'm rewriting my character to be literally a Splatoon character now. You're a squid now. You're a kid now. Feel the existential crisis. Welcome to the Good Enough Games podcast, the only online role-playing series GM'd by a potato. I am the honorary potato um, for this season. Uh, my name is Nell, and you can follow me at Lindy Bombat on Twitter. Today we're going to be playing Apocalypse, no, not Apocalypse World, Girl by Moonlight, uh, which is a game currently under development, created by Andrew Gillis. The uh, agenda behind Girl by Moonlight is all about playing to find out what happens, being a fan of each other, revealing your inner world, holding on, but lightly, keeping hope in your heart, seeing things through a queer lens, and exploring the darkness. Joining me are my lovely cast. Do y'all want to introduce yourselves? All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Dash. I'll be playing lovely Jante, the tired orchard worker. My name is Marina. I use she, her pronouns, and I am playing Fashe, an angry uh, janitor boy. I am Kate. I am playing Morgans or Leora, a archivist time traveler. Hey, my name is Robin. I uh, play Violine. She's a bicycle superhero uh, and bicycle courier during the day. And uh, my pronouns are he, him. I have social media, and you can find me on at Robin Kauper on Instagram. Hi, I'm Seb. I use they, them pronouns, and I am playing Solange Casimir, who is the humble caretaker at the, the university slash temple. And that is our potato salad. <laughs> no, I am cutting that. I like nope. it. No, keep it in. We it's staying now. All right, we're all potato salad now. So, let's jump in. Girl by Moonlight takes place over four phases. Um, it's pretty similar to Blades in the Dark in a lot of ways. Blades in the Dark has a downtime phase, a mission phase, and then a like Fallout slash free play phase. This just adds one more phase to that list, which is the obligation phase. One of the big themes of this game is seeing how our characters chart their course through you know, their mundane day-to-day -day life. This is like the kind of thing in a magical girl anime where you know, all the girls have to go to school and keep their grades up while also saving the world. I have an idea for our obligation phase. Are y'all okay if I take some liberties with driving the obligation phase and uh, introducing each of your characters? Color me intrigued. Alrighty. We open on a flower in a field. A long stamen with crumbly flecks of yellow pollen. Broad, delicate petals in a vivid, glowing red. Bathed in the light of the setting sun. A fat, clumsy bumblebee drops onto the flower, causing it to dip to one side. And as it makes a fumbling attempt to collect the flower's nectar, we hear the soft buzz of its wings. But behind that, we hear a dull, grinding, mechanical groan. 
incessant, growing louder and louder until it's painful. We hear the creaking of something immense under strain, followed by a deafening crack. A tree crashes to the forest floor in a cacophony of snapping branches not far away. The bee, startled, takes flight. In the distance, we can see hulking mechanical figures framed in silhouette, taking their tools to the next tree in their path. Much closer, we hear footsteps over grass, almost delicate by comparison. A boot stops at the flower. A woman in a jumpsuit kneels down beside it, copper skin and a high ponytail. She caresses one of its petals between a thumb and a forefinger. It's hard to tell whether the gesture is evaluative or aesthetic. She pauses for just a moment, reaches down to the base of its stem, and then plucks it. So, we open, I think, with a very urgent message being delivered via bike courier. Violine is far on the edge of town. She is pedaling as fast as her legs can carry her. Um, and she's trying to make her way to the university with an urgent message for Morgan. The message that you're relaying is simple. The blight is crossing the cell, uh, which is a mountain range far in the distance uh, from the city of Renity. And they've sent hulking robots to clear the path. It's been a long time coming. Communities uh, that were far away from the city of Renity have already been lost in the endless progress of the blight. Now, people can see the smoke clouds of falling trees and birds flying around in distress distantly on the horizon. This is the closest that they've ever come to this city. And it's probably important that y'all do something about that. Let's start by um, describing Violine. So what, what does Violine look like as she's riding along these uh, rural dirt paths heading towards the city? Can I, can I, can I imagine this is what it, it's sort of what current day Haiti looks like? Or is it more forested? So this is a long time in the future. And so this is much more forested than modern day Haiti, except where the blight is. Midday? Is there a time? It is getting near nighttime. The sun is setting. So in the sunset, maybe you can imagine a scene where a bicycle comes over a hill in the, in the sunset. And uh, a very happy young lady is on, on top of it, riding it. And while her blue hair glides through the wind, she's busy remembering how to get to the university because going on your bike everywhere makes it sometimes confusing, especially when it's all nature and uh, it's all very pretty, um, but you can't always find the way. And I imagine she just pedals as hard as she can towards the university uh, to find Morgan. Oh, actually wait, crucial detail that we may or may have already left out. Do huh. you have Alejandro the otter in your basket? Yes, I do have Alejandro uh, the otter in the basket. The, the, I think we could say the, the bicycle is white and there's a little like straw uh, handmade. Well, not straw, that's more European. Uh, like a wicker basket on, on front of the, uh, 
on front of the white bike, and she she just has a little otter, its paws over the edge, and its head peeking out in the wind, and its yeah. tidy ears back because the wind is blowing, and she's riding over the path, panting and maybe giving it a little pet and saying, "We're going to the university, little guy." Yeah, and so you're you're patting Alejandro on the head, and he's just continuing to stare forward, determined and apprehensive. Mm-hmm. For the audience, uh, imgur.com, Y6K3LRQ. Very cute otter on a bicycle. So yeah, as you come down from this mountain path across this line of complete deforestation, you're riding across uh, a series of farms. And so there are some beautiful greenhouses here that have multicolored stained glass, like glass tiles. And so the light that falls into them is all different shades and colors. And you are going down this farm path. And I think we see Lovely out in the fields. Lovely, I think this is, this is where we're going to kind of do your obligation. Um, so we're going to do like a series of vignettes, essentially, of what people get up to in their day-to-day lives and how it stresses them out. <laughs> so what is Lovely doing out here uh, in the farmlands as Violine rides past? I think right now we've already picked a lot of the fruit. So what we're doing is now we're just sorting it out into baskets, not quite based on quality, but on whether or not, you know, people can eat it or not. Right now, it's just a lot of people sitting around just slowly sorting out just these big piles of no idea what fruit we're using. I think I think maybe this is like papaya or something. Ooh, yeah, some, something that, yes, yeah, definitely something that gets grown in the Gulf of Mexico. I like that. Okay, cool. Let's roll your obligation and we'll see you know, if you are handling your task well, or if there's something about this that is stressing you out incredibly. When you roll obligation, roll your lowest attribute taking stress equal to six minus the die result. So it's like resisting a consequence, essentially. You're resisting a consequence of living your day-to-day life. In my case, I think I'll be rolling sun, which has no pips in it whatsoever. So I get the lovely 2d6, take the lowest roll here. Five stress. I am, I'm not good at my job. So what does this look like? Are you like dozing off or something? Lovely was dozing off when we picked the fruit earlier today or yesterday. Now she's just, I think she's actually, we, we cut, we cut in on her and we, as we have the bike going past, I think the scene is just her sitting there with her head just knotted down fruit in each hand. And maybe just for the sake of the animation, like the little snot bubble right in front of her face, just like appearing and disappearing. Yeah, totally. I love this. Uh, and so we see this looming shadow get cast over you as you're like snoring over this uh, bucket of fruit. And like, a, like a, a reed branch or something like that is held in this person's hand. And as you're like snoring, you get boffed on the head, you know, gently, but enough to startle you. And you're instantly woken up to see Claudia Elise standing over you. He's an old man, maybe in his late 50s or early 60s, with uh, white hair, like a receding hairline, a wrinkled forehead. He's been working in the farms for as long as he's been alive, um, and he has never encountered anyone quite so lazy as lovely. <laughs> Girl, did you doze off again? <sighs> the yawn goes on for a very long time. <laughs> We need to get these buckets sorted by nightfall. 
I don't want to have to carry this in in the dark. Uh, yes, yes, Mr. Elise. Let me know if you need any more encouragement. And he wags the, the reed fiber back and forth <laughs> in front of your face. Narrow my eyes at it and kind of like track it back and forth over my nose. No, no, that, 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 that's all right. I can, I'm sure I can stay awake now. He musses your hair and then goes and starts, like picks up one of the crates near you that's already been filled and starts to haul it back to one of the greenhouses. I stick my tongue out at him. Lovely. All right. Is there any exchange that passes between the two of you as Veline rides past? I think maybe it might be at a bit of a distance, so we'll like, I'll like wave at her if I see her go past, but it'll be a very just slow, laconic wave. Just, oh, there goes Veline on her bike again. Uh, oh, and I think we didn't get quite get a physical description of Lovely. What does Lovely look like? Lovely's fairly um, medium build. She originally had pretty pale skin, especially for this region, but she's been tanned pretty heavily since then. So she's definitely got that kind of burnt look to her. She's got dark, not quite black curly hair, and then those dark hazel eyes. She's wearing pretty just standard clothes. She's got this kind of dark gray tank top that's pretty dirty, smeared with dirt goes down to jeans that got ripped up the the natural way, the real way. Right, yeah, from, from spending a lot of time working in the dirt. Yeah. And then by just just by funny contrast, she also has on this pair of boots that might be hiking boots or maybe combat boots, somewhere in between that, where they just look a bit too big and over-designed for her feet. The only other thing is on her face, there's always a couple smears and you can't quite tell where the, where just the sleep shadows in her eyes and the dirt smears on her cheeks begin. She doesn't really remember when to not rub her face. She'd do very poorly right now. Very adorable. Let's pause for a second here. So Robin is tied up for an indeterminate amount of time at the moment. I think what we're going to do is we're just going to continue. I'll kind of narrate Veline as she goes through, you know, the city and that kind of stuff. So Veline races down the bicycle path, leaving, leaving Lovely at, at the basket of fruit. I think as she gets farther along, there are, you know, big farms, lots, a big diversity of crops. These aren't the kind of farms that I think we're used to imagining, where it's just like a huge monoculture in a bunch of like regularly spaced divots. This is a whole mess of different plants and that kind of things all growing side by side. There are goats uh, moving into a cleared field, and there are a lot of them. <laughs> and so she finds herself having to swerve off of the, um, the main path and heading towards a nearby repurposed train station. So the train here is called the Clatter. And we can see um, as she gets close to the, uh, the station uh, that there are these big solar-powered carts that are moving along the train tracks. They look like, you know, a mix between like a rickshaw and like something that might be pedal-powered and also like normal train cars. Um, and one of them leaves the station, and she hops onto the tracks going the opposite direction. Uh, and pretty quickly, uh, she's riding her bicycle up the elevated tracks over the city. 
it's a little bit of an incline, but she works her way up this like steep incline until she's riding these overhead paths. Um, and we see her enter the city proper. The first district uh, that she ends up going through is the Bazio, which is this big kind of central hub of the city that is full of markets and co-ops and people, uh, you know, supplying produce and crafts and all of that kind of stuff. She's just on the outskirts of that neighborhood um, and is passing by a series of residences. She gets to the train station up in the Basio, and then just before another train swoops into the tracks and runs into her, she hops back onto the, uh, the pedestrian platform and starts riding along the roofs of one of these buildings. So the Bazile is this neighborhood that has towering buildings that are covered in trees and greenery. Uh, there are rooftop gardens and vertical farms and so many past balconies and rails and bridges crisscrossing the main avenues that it's easy to forget how far below the ground is here. And it's hard to tell where the streets begin and end. It's almost a very organic pattern. Uh, it mirrors a lot of what you would see in nature. And so uh, she rattles down a stairwell you know, heading on to one of the balconies um, and racing uh, over the main district. Um, and I think she rushes past Fache doing some kind of janitorial task, maybe helping someone uh, at one of their residences. You're kind of a janitor slash handyman, right? Yeah, yeah, that's me. So what are you up to? What do you look like? I think what I'm doing is uh, I'm cleaning an edifice this big commemorative mosaic, different colors of glass. And uh, I think it's a view of the sea. But the thing that Fache does is uh, that in all of this mosaic under the open sky, there's definitely like all sorts of grime that gathered between the little glass pieces. So he is like slathering some sort of biological agent some sort of algae maybe or something and then he is like essentially standing there and waiting for it to dry under the sun and then as he scrubs it away all the gunk and all the all the stuff comes out with it just with dirt eating algae because that exists yeah we live in the solar punk future definitely and i think I think when Violine comes past Fache, like she probably calls out to him a greeting or something, and he is literally the old man yells at Cloud sort of position. <laughs> he shouts at her first that uh, she's going to ruin it, and then he shouts a little bit quieter, and he doesn't really expect her to notice. He's like, you're going to fall off the tracks. Nice. So I'm also rolling a thing, right? Yeah, roll your obligation. Let's see how stressful today has been for you. I'm rolling stars. And I also get five. Goodness gracious. You all are really bad at living your day to day lives. You poor things. We are. So so maybe what it is, is like you put on one layer of this algae and then you wait like, you know, the advertised like five minutes for it to consume all the dirt and then you wipe it away. And it's exactly as smudged as it was before. And you've been working on this same shrine for like the last four hours and you're starting to lose your mind. <laughs> yeah, probably was stored improperly. So the algae is dead now and it won't work. Yeah, now he wishes that Violin had crushed everything as she passed by. Right, just liberate 
liberate him from his misery. Yeah. What does Fashe look like? Fashe is uh, like a tall, skinny, white boy uh, with uh, longish, dark hair. He is wearing baggy pants and sandals and tank top. Yeah, he is uh, his tanned and uh, he has a hat. Lovely. Oh my god, wait, I can't say lovely to describe things now because that's a character. What have you done to me, Dash? You called? No, I didn't call. I need to stop saying lovely. This sucks. You brought me back. Now suffer the consequences. Yes, the most chaotic evil thing ever, naming a character lovely. Uh, yeah, and so Violine narrowly skirts knocking over Fache's uh, cleaning supplies, continues along this balcony, uh, rushing past residences and various people that are like hanging their laundry out to dry on these balconies and that kind of stuff. And people have to like quickly ditch out of the way. Like a mother runs forward and grabs her kid and like pulls them out of the path just in time for Violine to rush past. The balcony is quickly ending, but there's this huge tree that has been growing out of this this building, this residential complex. And at some point a long time ago, it fell across the um, across the main avenue uh, and crashed into the opposite side of the buildings. And now it forms like a makeshift bridge, essentially, from one of these uh, skyscrapers to the other. So completely undaunted, Violine hops over the railing of this balcony, lands on this tree, and then pedals as hard as she can to get up the tree and onto the adjacent building. As she pedals up this tree, we see below, there's a bustling market uh, where people kind of offer their crafts. Um, the word market's like a bit misleading. Everything here is free. Um, you basically take what you need. But today's a big day. Uh, a lot of people are coming to uh, get some produce from the recent harvest. And if you look down, everything is just like multicolored awnings, all different types of fabric forming almost like this bed of fabric, you know, that fills the entire uh, avenue below. There's all kinds of like citizenry and carts, you know, people, you know, moving supplies around in the city. And so she races across this tree trunk, starts going down the opposite building. And then eventually uh, she comes to the university. The university is in the middle of a relatively big clearing in the middle of the city. Uh, the university is also called Gran Ebo's House. Um, it has this enormous entry archway. There's this billowing multicolored banner hanging down the building uh, that's been pulled to one side. So it's just out of the way of the awning and the civilian path to get into the place. Next to the university with its grand archways and its like columnade is this enormous sleeping stonework giant. It's so big that you, you could mistake it for architecture up close. It has a single dark eye with moss growing all over it uh, and a big tree growing from its heart and sprouting out between its shoulder and its neck. Um, and it's just lying sleeping against the temple. That's been there for as long as anybody can remember. And so as Violine moves across the grounds of the university, uh, I think we see Solange outside. So Solange, what are you getting up to? I think Solange is like pulling a big cart with like a top over it, like a two-wheeled cart with just like two handles to pull for a human, filled with leftover food and stuff. And they are like 
pulling it to the garden for their friend to use it as fertilizer. Nice. So you've been working with Primrose today, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Primrose is is this uh this robot, very much like the ones we saw in the forest, but it's covered in uh, like moss and greenery that's been growing on it for a long time. Uh, and then the glass face plate where its face used to be uh, now has potting soil inside of it and a beautiful primrose flower growing in the middle of it just behind this glass plate. And so primrose kind of like squeaks over to the cart. You said this is like potting soil for like planting flowers? Um, I think it's like leftovers from the kitchen that that's just like... We're just gonna use them as like first lines of the ground. Yeah, compost. Yeah, compost. Cool. Yeah, and so Primrose kind of like squeaks over, puts a trowel in, you know, the compost, buries some of the compost, and then puts in like a flower, providing some nutrients uh, for the new flower that's being planted. What does Solange look like? Solange is like average height, kind of a chestnut brown skin, big fluffy curly dark brown hair and big fluffy eyebrows. Um, they're pretty, like some might say, say chubby or fat. They're definitely like pretty, pretty thickly built. And they're wearing like a hemp dress and like apron made of some like heavy resilience material for their work. Very cute. Let's see how, how chill or not today has been for you. Yeah. So I have I have one pip in in both sun moon and stars. So I guess I just choose the one I wanna do as an approach, right? Yep. Okay, I'm gonna go with stars. Ooh, ooh, not so chill. Oh no, <laughs> y'all are gonna be so stressed out for this mission. I mean, I'm one better than everyone else so far. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. Yeah, so what about today has been super stressful? It sounds like you and Primrose get along pretty well. Yeah. Maybe at some point earlier in the day, kind of like the head archivist in the university, this this old, old woman with huge uh, round glasses um, and wrinkled skin and a bald head who drapes herself in all kinds of beautiful, like multicolored fabrics uh, and walks with a cane. Frida. Frida, yeah literally older than anybody here remembers. She was this old when you were born, and she was this old when your parents were born, and she was this old when your parents' parents were born. Just seems like she's been here forever. <laughs> and yeah, I think at some point, she she came out and says, now, now, leave the little bucket of bolts to its work. What's, what's your reaction to being chastised? But uh, I'm, we're working together. Where I'm helping them with the garden. And I think I was just like stuffing some berry that Primrose had like handed me in my mouth when when Frida came out. And she, she shakes her head and says, um, no, no, it's enough that Morgan's convinced me to keep this thing on these grounds in the first place. But having you helping it, like it even knows that you're there, that seems something about it doesn't sit right with me. But they gave me food. Look. Solange, like, opens their palm, and there's, like, a bunch of little berries that Primrose gave them. Oh, It's only fair that I give them help in return. No, 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 no. Don't you have other tasks to attend to inside? We have, um, books that need to be arranged. 
I guess so. But I also need to get this done. It's important that we use use leftovers for good. You can do all of this once the robot's been put away and once those books are sorted. Follow me. Uh, and yeah, she forces you to go to the library. And I think maybe you end up sneaking out <laughs> pretty much at your next opportunity to finish your gardening. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so that's been your day. Not a great one. And what do you do when uh, Violine rides past you? I think she probably waves at you happily. Yeah, I think I like wipe the sweat off from, from the afternoon sun that's shining on me and Primrose as I'm like helping them spread out the compost, wipes the spread from my forehead and, and smiles and waves back. I like give Primrose like a little elbow and like tries to show them how to wave. Primrose just stares at you like the flower in their, um, their headpiece kind of bobbing and then like tries to imitate you and gives like a squeaky wave. Yeah, so Lange like smiles and laughs. Primrose waves more enthusiastically, knowing that this makes you happy. (laughs) Primrose is such a good friend. Yeah. So Violin is coming right up to the temple, the the university, and faces a, a, a grave decision. Deliver this message just a little bit faster or ride through the temple on their bike. If Robin were here, we could ask them how poor Violin makes this decision. But I'm going to say that Violin rides her bike <laughs> through the university. Yes, totally. Uh, and so Violin starts going through the corridors, uh, you know, goes through the library, goes through the arboretum, and eventually comes to uh, like a small study uh, in the back of the university. I think that there's like a big glass window with all kinds of vines draping over the side. Uh, there's like a big reflecting pool just on the other side of the glass. There's, you know, nice and cozy furniture. It's appointed in kind of a very, uh, a style that's very reminiscent of like old Victorian, like an old Victorian house or something like that. Bookcases built into the walls. And I think uh, Frida and Morgan are discussing something. So uh, what have you been up to today, Morgan? What does your day-to-day life look like? There's definitely a pot of tea going and... Morgan, while very much awake, is still just speaking kind of slowly and uh, gathering materials uh, for today's lecture and uh, research projects and going over timelines with Frida, double-checking priorities on, on various things. Nice. What, what material are you teaching? Like, what's the current lecture series you're teaching? Uh, natural philosophy. We are discussing our relationship with nature and how that plays back into our day-to-day lives. Nice. So probably talking, you know, a bit about like that algae that eats dirt, which is not working, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And and also, regardless of time of day, uh, Morgan, uh, who is very tall and slender like dark caramel skin, uh, braided hair that's twisted up in its own kind of swooping braid with various flowers, kind of fresh flowers woven into it. And it sits just down on the top of their shoulder. Heavy, heavy eyeliner, very reminiscent of like Egyptian women around each eye, flowing linen robes, 
that have definitely been hand patched and stuff over time. Um, it's it's a strangely like aged attire for someone that is about nineteen. <laughs> right, right. Well, you're you're the oldest magical girl, so yeah, yeah. You've gotta you've gotta look incredibly mature. And then also loafers, always like the little house slippers. Tea and house slippers, beautiful. Yeah, so let's let's roll uh, your resistance and see how today's obligation has been for you. It's not too late for us to turn this around as a group, everybody. No. <laughs> uh, we are right. terrible at being people. How are we so bad at role-playing games? Admittedly, you are teenagers, and teenagers can be pretty bad at being people, so... I don't, I don't understand this thing you call sleep. So is, it, is this like the second night in a row that you've just like like have you been just up two days in a row preparing for the next semester or something yeah oh dear some last minute changes to my uh curriculum got it some last minute additions or or cuts yeah i I just want to make sure it's just right and so uh you're like pouring over these papers and I think, you know, Frida walks over to you, um, you know, sets a cup of tea next to you and says, um, I don't know, don't work yourself to death. I'm sure your students will be impressed by whatever it is you come up with. You've been preparing your curriculum for days. I think you're more important to them if you go to sleep. I just, something, the littlest thing can, can, can change the course. I just, I, I need to make sure it's just right. You are very driven, but you have to know that if you imagine the future where you have not slept, your students aren't going to get the education they deserve. Pulls out a a, a pocket watch, looks at it, sticks it back in his pocket, in their pocket. You're right. You're right. Just about that time, the water starts to to boil for the for the tea, and Morgan gets distracted and just excuse me, excuse me, starts uh, fussing over the tea. Yeah, and it's about this time that you hear the rattle of bike chains echoing through the university, and you see uh, like violins violins skid around a corner, uh, leaving like a black skid mark along the floor, and then uh, race up to this little study room, lean the bike against the wall and just like hop off, probably taking Alejandro into her arms. Frida is already over there chastising Violine, just being like, girl, look what you've done to the floors in this place. Morgan is smirking into their tea. And and I think Violine is like kind of breathless at this point and just says, um, they're here, they're, they're on the horizon. The, the 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 blight it, it's it's chewing its way through the forest. They're closer than they've ever been. Immediately make eye contact with uh, Frida and nod before turning to to run to my room. Yeah, and uh, Violine is probably at that point being chewed out by Frida. <laughs> But the the message has been successfully relayed, um, and so Violine weathers the um, the chastisement uh, with a sense of accomplishment. I'm sure. 
Oh, actually, let's see if how how well Violine weathers this. Maybe my dice luck is better than all y'all's. Let's see. Oh, ooh. <laughs> what is this? Two stress? Two measly oh stress? This, this does, not, does not bode well for, for the rest of us. Yeah, just wait till we have to fight the darkness. Well, luckily, pretty much all of the rolls are your rolls, so all you gotta do is roll better. Thanks. Great advice. Yeah. And worst comes to worst, Violine will carry you. Probably. Hopefully. I mean, that's what we expected to begin with. Yeah. So with that, I think we exit our obligation phase. So we're going to go into the downtime phase. Uh, so in the downtime phase, uh, there are four actions that you can take. Uh, you can take a social link action. Uh, social links are essentially a currency you can use to help other characters during uh, a mission. Uh, which can be pretty helpful. I, I think it's also a way that you can reduce stress, I believe. There's help a friend recover, which is if anyone is wounded, you can help them heal their wounds. Uh, there's investigate the darkness, uh, which is a very important action. I'll talk more about it in a second. And then there's work on a long-term project. So investigate the darkness. Essentially, the darkness is going to creep up mission after mission as its goals advance. In order to uh, stay ahead of it, you need to be prepared for whatever the darkness is about to throw at you. Essentially, this influences your engagement role. If the darkness is a higher tier than you, then I think you lose dice on the engagement role. And so you need to be some minimum amount of prepared in order to face the darkness. Otherwise, you're going to be going in with a disadvantage and things are probably already going wrong for you. So I believe if you want to have no penalties to your engagement role, you need to have your tier one of investigation progress filled in to take on a level one mission. Even though the darkness hasn't prepared at all, uh, you need to be tier one prepared in order to face the darkness. You can not do that if you want. You'll just have a slightly worse engagement role, which might mean that when the mission actually you know, goes into effect, things are a little bit more chaotic. Everyone gets two downtime actions, I believe, by default. And so we'll kind of go through these different scenes with different characters. Uh, so. Who wants to start off our rotation here? We can go back to the top with Lovely. You can take a downtime action if you want. I think I'd like to do a social link. Who are you uh, social linking with? Sorry, I'm just reading through it so I understand what I'm doing correctly. Lovely, there's nothing here that can push our stress down. You're going to use social links to then recover stress. Yeah, just, to, just for the sake of completion for the audience. Uh, so there are four things you can do with social links. You can recover stress, uh, shrug off harm, uh, allowing somebody to ignore a single harm tag for a session. Uh, there's helping someone, so you can help them without spending stress. Uh, or there's lending strength, which is preventing them from falling into eclipse. Eclipse, I'm sure we'll discuss whenever it comes up. Uh, one of the big themes of this game is all about people helping each other get through their day-to-day -day lives and being friendship or being friends and you know conquering the day through cooperation and kindness. And so social links are all about you know people connecting to each other and leaning on each other to get through the challenges of facing the darkness of the world and that kind of stuff. So who are you social linking with? I think I think it's going to be with Morgan. Ooh, all right. I think it's, I think this scene is like, it's kind of like we do that scene with Vilene leaving after getting chastised. And then we have the sun roll over the sky for a little bit. And then we come back in on Morgan still in that office, still working. And there's a, 
A little bit of a knock at the door. Yes. Open it up. Hi, Morgan. Ah, lovely. Please, come in. Have a seat. Brushes brushes some papers and, like, moves some books out of the way so there's a spot for you to sit. Thank you. This is your, uh, five five o'clock have-you-eaten-today checkup. Morgan, Morgan looks or pulls out the pocket watch, clicks it open. Ah, where's the deco? Um, food. Yes, that's a thing. Plunk myself down, pull out a tiny little pocket knife, and start peeling a papaya. Well, fortunately for you, there was a lot we harvested today. An awful lot. Some might say too much. Me, me, I say too much. What would I do without you? I'd split the papaya in half and hand her one of them. Thank you. Thank you. Probably finally listen to your stomach and go get the food for yourself. You know, people think I'm the irresponsible one. It's always, Lovely's so tired. What does she do with her day? Lovely never works as hard as everyone else. Why doesn't she do anything? No one says that. Well, it's very kind of you to say. Everything all right here? Yes, just, uh, you know, first day jitters. The whole new associate professor thing, assistant. It's it's a big step. I'm not used to, um, you know, talking in, in, in front of people. Books don't talk back and or start snoring, do they? Usually. They make me snore sometimes, so they could go along with me. I've never noticed. Okay. Well, just making notes for for next time. Um, Do you remember the other reason I came here? Yes. Uh, the blight. For a clever talky person, you're you're awfully forgetful right now. You said today we were going to go up to the Cloud Hollow. We were going to rest there to celebrate. That's today. I'm so sorry, lovely. Yes, yes. And it sounds like it's exactly what you need right now. <sighs> yes. Come on, let's let's go. I'm sure anything here can wait a little bit more. Books don't eat after all. Or sleep, I think. And I'd, like, grab her by the hand and, like, try to pull her almost over the desk. What? Pronouns are them, by the way. Oh, them. I'm very sorry. Morgan kind of, like, stomach plants into the desk for a half second. Oh, oh, okay. Pockets the watch and puts the bright slipper on the right foot and kind of checks the mirror real quick to make sure that the flowers are in place before heading out. Nice. What is the what is the cloud hollow? This is cool. It's um I think in this case it's a spot it's on top of a really one of the really tall old buildings and it's where we have a long pipe that's kind of built into it and it's where we co- a lot of the steam that's collected underground and from people doing stuff like cooking or cleaning or it's where our hot water goes but there's always like this kind of a steam plume coming off the top of this tube. And up here at the top, it's just chilly enough that the condensation points at the right level where it always forms these really big clouds that hang right over the top of the building. Ooh, I love that. That's cool. And the hollow is like, I think it's this, 
I think once upon a time, this was like a hotel tower. So there's like this penthouse pool that was once here, but now it's all overgrown. We filled in this area with dirt and we have a couple trees planted here. It's not enough room or stable enough to do anything with it, but it's grown in into what in any other place would be this kind of faux park. That's very cool. I like it. So it's like a, it's like this whole like forested park and then it's got, you know, like layers of, of like cloud and smoke kind of like flowing through it out of this big tube. Yeah, it's, it's big traits. It's just always got this just thick, heavy mist blowing through it, no matter what time it is. That's very cool. Very dramatic. Excessively. And I want to try to roll flow here to form this link with Morgan, because I think they, cool. they need to relax and go with the flow a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that could work. Let's uh let's look at the description for flow as a as a skill, just also to introduce the audience to how the stats work in this game. So yeah, unlike Blades in the Dark, a lot of the moves in Girl by Moonlight have to do with like somebody's kind of emotional or social approach to a problem. Um so instead of having, you know, things like skirmish or tinker or sneak. Magical girls have skills like confess or forgive or defy or empathize. And so flow is uh, about moving with grace and adapting to your circumstances. Uh, you might leap across a gap to reach safety, or you might act in accordance with others' expectations. With that in mind, it almost to me seems like you are, are trying to, to push against uh, like Morgan's expectations or push against like Morgan's day-to-day -day routine, right? I'm wondering if there's a, a more appropriate stat that you could be rolling here. It would almost be funny to call this defy, but I don't quite feel it. Empathize feels very appropriate, right? You're just like, hey, I'm worried about you. Like, I can tell you're being hard on yourself. Maybe even forgive, because she forgot, but I still want to take her along with it. Them. Or they, they forgot. They, darn it. I'm very sorry about this. I'm It's okay. Takes practice. Yeah, practice makes perfect. Uh, forgive is perfect. Yeah, it's like, hey, we had a we had a thing. You, I was waiting for you at the park, and you didn't show up. <laughs> I'm checking on you. Uh, you know, everything's okay. Let's go do this anyway. So I like that a lot. L let's do forgive. All right, and there's one other thing to check. If it's something the other character would enjoy, their character can offer up an extra dice for this role. It is definitely something that Morgan would enjoy. Okay. Yeah. The question. Is Morgan capable of relaxing? Is that something they can do? Uh, yeah. All right, then. It, it's kind of abnormal for Morgan to be stressed. All right. Let's make the roll, then, with plus one dice. And on a five, that is two links and segments that are placed on, on your sheet for Morgan. So they get, they get two links with me. Lovely. I need to stop saying lovely. But also lovely, <laughs> lovely. Cool. And so what's the end of this scene? Like, what's, what's the moment of, like, Morgan finally relaxing? I think there's just me, like, there's no, there's no escalator, elevator. There's no fast transport. So you have to go out of the university, and you have, to, you, have to go down, you have to go down these paths for a bit until you get to the base of this building, since it's, well, it's full of a big tube full of steam at some point. You don't really want to live here. It's a little... It vents sometimes, so it would be dangerous. It's not well-maintained, so you have to go back and forth up these oldsters. Probably a fire escape. That's 
about only 20 or so stories high, give or take. Nothing, nothing difficult, obviously. But once you pull yourself all the way up there, you can see the view the whole time. But then as you get up to those last few floors, you can't see anything at all. It's just the mist wrapped around you. So it's you going up that last few patterns of switchback stairs, just surrounded in mist. And then you get to the top and you walk forward off of the platform and you just suddenly step into a garden after walking on the old rusted metal railings for so long. Very beautiful. Morgan just stops in their tracks. Just a couple of deep breaths. And you just see their shoulders just like, just like relax a couple more steps. All right, you got me. And they just find a, a nice mossy spot to to stretch out. Just lay down and stretch and relax. And it starts to doze off. Now that seems like a lovely idea. <laughs> the puns. The puns are endless. Oh, that's so wholesome. I'm glad that f- someone finally got Morgan to relax. So uh, next downtime action let's see what order did we go through i think we were going from the top oh okay yeah let's do it that way well we just saw a scene with kate though so let's move to let's do fashe i think fashe has heard about the darkness i think that fashe is concerned about the news and he expected to to maybe have some more time than than that He's going to climb one of the tallest buildings. He's probably going to get binoculars or something like that. (laughs) And he's going to be like standing there and just watching the darkness come over the horizon. Try to maybe, maybe as the night falls, you can see like the lights. And he is like staring into the lights and trying to figure out, are the lights actually moving or is it just like the muscles of my eye moving? Uh, And I can see, it seems to me that the the darkness is moving. Yeah, yeah. You've got like these, you know, it's nighttime at this point, but there's these big billowing black clouds of smoke that are obscuring like stars in the night sky. And then there's the glow of the lights um, on all of these robots uh, that are reflecting off of the bottom of this cloud, kind of giving it that like underlit effect. And it looks very menacing on the horizon. Yeah, I forgot to to say that, but Fashe has a lip and he also has scars on uh, his body. Like something was like inside him and then got turned out. It's long scars along his limbs and along his torso. And inside him, there was wiring that allowed him to communicate with uh, the robot swarm, like the darkness swarm, without any delay. And he almost is like standing there and trying to figure out the way that they're moving and where they're going, like remember the way that it felt and trying to figure out where they're going from the way that they wind down uh, the horizon. And I would like to roll Perceive to gather some information. Yeah. I I had a thought occur to me, which is like, it's almost like mis- missing a limb, right? Like you're you're staring at this thing that used to, you used to be so intimately connected to and so able to feel and understand it, right? 
and now it's you're just looking at it from the outside and it's totally obscure to you yeah it's like losing a sense he's like he can still move his body but he he can't uh sense the things that he used to sense before yeah okay and it's a one the good news is for investigate the darkness you can't fail yeah you i still get something all right then one tick on investigation tier one courtesy of fashe yeah so i think uh you're just getting like the faintest uh glimmer of this uh through these binoculars i mean it's the middle of the night and you just see that these uh like lights bobbing around you know you see that at least like four lights bobbing in the darkness so you have some sense of how many robots might be out there but there might be more that you don't see in the time that you're watching and so Fashe stands there feeling pretty useless and watching this low cloud pushing in inevitably on Renity. And we see his face in, in the low light and we can see where his implants used to be. He used to have a lot, a lot of enhancements, but now it's just all uh, ruined skin. He will definitely need much more power than he has now to face the minions of darkness. Thankfully, when it comes to power, Renity has more tricks up their sleeve. Thank you for listening to Good Enough Games. If you liked us, tell your friends about us. Our GM is Nell Wilson. Our producer is Marina Conrad. This is our launch week, so make sure to check out the next episode right away. And finally, please be kind to yourself. No, but the spirit of the game. You can put that on the mugs. Just your unhappy face. I mean, I'd buy it. I would drink so much tea and coffee out of your unhappy face.